everybody, and welcome to another episode of Criminal Discourse. I'm Maddie. And I'm Trish. And I'm back. Yay! For my monthly episode. It's a good one. It is. And we're going to wrap up our, we've got had like a Halloween thing going on. I had to ask, I was listening. So did you and mom ever watch Amityville Horror? We did. You got her to watch that? Well, it was during the day and we couldn't find the 1979 version. That's the one we really wanted to watch with James Brolin and Margot Kidder. So we ended up watching the only one available, which was the 2005 Ryan Reynolds version. Oh. Yeah. It was not. I like Ryan Reynolds. Don't get me wrong. And he's a a nice bit of eye candy in it. But it just didn't follow. Your mom got frustrated with me because I'd be like, no, no, there's no child named Jody. I don't know who is this (laughs) character named Jody who was murdered in a closet. That didn't even happen. And so she's like, really? I'm like, yes, that didn't happen. How are we watching this? But we did. We did watch the whole thing. We laughed mostly through it. Okay. I was surprised you got her to watch something like that. Because even when she watched like the blacklist, she like holds her phone up when people get killed. Like she can't handle that stuff normally. No, she did really well. Good. Congratulations, mom. Because we were all like, well, why would you do that? But the one part that I did see that I think is universal is when the priest, they bring a priest in and when he flees the house, that to me, I put it out as a criminal discourse life tip is when the priest flees, you got to go. <laughs> you you got You just pick up, you leave everything behind. You got to go. Yeah, I concur. Because it was right after that, you know, it really started hitting the fan in that house. So, so follow the priest. Is that the, the priest. <laughs> Get in tip? the station wagon and go. All right. So we're not going to be doing any uh, U.S. horror stories today to wrap up our Halloween. Not this one. We're actually going to Transylvania. Birthplace of the story of Dracula. Yes. Which we're going to talk about because some say that the story we're going to talk about today is actually more of an inspiration than the Impaler. So we'll see. It's going to get intense, guys. So we are talking about the story of the Blood Countess, Elizabeth Bathroy. She was born in Nybator, Hungary on August 7th, 1560. So we're taking a step back here. I think, is this our oldest case? I was trying. I think so. You've done older cases more than I have. But I think the oldest one I did was Velisca. And that wasn't the 1500s. Yeah, I like the old cases. Yes, you do. But So this is, we're, mm-hmm, Going except back. for like the time of Jesus. This is, <laughs> this is the latest one we've we had. We won't do any cases about Jesus. No. So she was born into privilege and nobility. Her father, George VI Bathroy, was a baron. And her mother was the daughter of a voivode of Transylvania, which I guess is the highest ranking official in the country. Like, you can't get higher than a voivode. So, like, a president. But there's multiples. It's not, like, one. Maybe, like, secretary of such and such. But not as high as, like, the king, right? No. Or the queen. No, the highest ranking, like, official, like, named official. Not highest noble ranking. But pretty high up there, right? So, very rich. Through her mother, she was also the niece of a noble, Stefan Bathory, who was actually the king of Poland and the Grand Duke of Lithuania and the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, as well as a prince of Transylvania. He held a lot of titles. Yeah, he was a busy guy. But all that to say, she was very high ranking. She was rich and well-educated. As a child, it was believed that she suffered from epilepsy and would have multiple seizures, which could definitely be due to the inbreeding that was going on. Oh, yeah, because they all... Yeah, yeah, it's very much that whole... I don't know if it's just a European thing, but the keep it in the family. So like her mom and dad were cousins or maybe closer. Well, we have the Amish. Do they inbreed? I think so. Yeah. 
I mean, because you don't really take a lot of outsiders in the Amish community. But it isn't a big enough community that they wouldn't be like... I might cut all this out once I learn, <laughs> do a little research on the Amish. But yeah, I mean, that that culture. Mm-hmm. A very keep it in the, yes, in the inner circles. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the family, but yeah. <laughs> so she did have seizures. And at the time, it said that a cure for epilepsy or potential cure, which at that time they called it falling illness, I guess because of the seizures and you would fall down, was to put the blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of somebody that had that illness. While they were in their seizure or just Just like... in general, I think. Like, yeah, like as a cure. Don't do that, guys. Yes. Disclaimer. Criminal discourse life tip. Do not put blood on your lips. Not a good idea. So at the age of 10, Elizabeth was betrothed to Farinick Nataste. He was a nobleman and heir to one of the wealthiest dynasties in the region. Now, he was not as highly ranked as his wife, but he was rich. Four years later, they would be married. So she was 14 when they got married. There would be approximately 4,500 guests at their wedding. Well, that's like the country's nobility and surrounding nobility. And that's a big wedding. Yes. Just to say again, like how high up she was really. And there was a rumor which I didn't see a lot of proof to this, but that before her marriage that Elizabeth actually gave birth to an illegitimate child when she was 13, who would have been fathered by someone from the village. But this didn't come out until years after her death, and I didn't put much credence to it. There wasn't any proof. It was sort of just the the village rumor. One would think that that'd be hard to hide. I mean, granted, they wore big gowns and everything, but still. Well, and who knows how well she actually hid it. It may have been something where everybody knew about it, but she was untouchable. I don't know. But just to give you guys all of the information that I have. So actually, her husband ended up taking her last name because apparently she refused to take his because it wasn't as high ranking, which I thought was very modern. 1560? Who's the celebrity whose husband took her last name? Saldano? She was in the Guardian of the Galaxy movies. I think her husband took her last name. Yeah, I was just surprised for like 1575 when they got married. I thought that was, yeah, a little bit different. Anyway, as a wedding gift, he gave her his household and home, the castle of Sestra which I thought was a pretty nice wedding gift. It wasn't even like, we're going to share his home, this home. It was here, this is now yours. Like, put everything in her name. This is now yours. So after a few years, he was actually promoted to chief commander of the Hungarian troops and sent to war against the Ottoman Empire. So he wasn't really around much. While her husband was away, the care of the castle as well as the local villages fell to Elizabeth. So that whole thing where her, as a noble person, was also responsible for the well-being of the surrounding villages and whatever territories they were responsible for. So she had to defend them. Yes. If there were problems, she had to address them. She was kind of like the mayor, governor of this area. Yes. And especially with the war going on, she had to make sure that there weren't attacks from the Ottomans. And I guess where they were placed, it put them in, they were in a vulnerable position as it was. This also included caring for villagers and I guess sometimes included giving them medical care. So I don't know to what extent or to what extent she was trained, but they listed that as part of the duties that she took on. So 10 years into their marriage, Elizabeth and Farinek welcomed their first child, Anna. Throughout their marriage, Elizabeth would birth five children, three of which would survive past their infancy. All of their children would end up taking their father's last name, Natasty, which I thought was interesting too. Because he took on her last name. I don't know. Maybe we need a lesson from a, you know, expert in Hungarian politics in 1580. So 
They were married for 29 years when Ferenick died of illness on January 4th, 1604, at the age of 48. His exact illness is unknown, but we know that it began, I guess, with like pain in his legs in 1601 and progressed from there. Blood clots? Possibly. I don't know what kind of illnesses were prevalent, but it wasn't like a quick thing. It was, I guess, something where he became worse and worse for a while and was, I think, disabled almost for the last year of his life. Before dying, Natastay entrusted his heirs and widow to Gigori Thurzo, which I think is like the English version would be Gregory. So I kind of just want to call him Greg, but I'll try to say it correctly. So rumors around Elizabeth had always been spread, but after her husband's death, they became worse and harder to ignore. It was rumored that she would abduct, torture, and kill young women with the help of her staff. Early on, her victims were girls aged 10 to 14, servants and peasants, but later daughters of the lesser gentry would fall victim as well. So I guess with the servants and peasants, there would be women that would come with a promise of work and she would instead torture and kill them. Or I guess there were cases of abductions as well, I saw. And then with her being so high ranking and a noble woman, lower noble families would actually send their daughters to her for training on proper etiquette and all of these things and it didn't go so well for them. So again, they would come to her for schooling on etiquette and basically be subjected to a sadomasochist, which is what she was. In 1610, Gregory Thurzo, so again, the man who her husband had entrusted her to was assigned to investigate these rumors by the king because once she started to dip into these noble families, there started to be more and more complaints. He assigned Andres Karasturi and Moses Chiraki to begin collecting statements in March of 1610. By October, they had collected 52 statements and by 1611, over 300. And these were statements from local villagers, those noble families, anybody basically who had notions of what was going on in this castle. According to these statements, and I will put a little warning, this is about to get graphic, so if this isn't your thing, fast forward a little bit. So Elizabeth burned her victims with hot irons all over their bodies, but also their genitals, beat them to death with clubs, would stick needles under their finger and toenails, and would also pour ice water on them and then put them outside in the freezing temperatures so that they would freeze to death. She would also cover her victims in honey and then allow ants to crawl all over them, biting them. It's going to get worse before it gets better. She would sew lips together, and she would actually bite chunks of flesh off of their bodies. Some would accuse her of cannibalism or even forcing her victims to cook and eat their own flesh. She liked using scissors to torture her victims and used instruments to cut off their hands, noses, and genitals. One of her favorite pastimes was using scissors to slice open the skin between people's fingers. So like that, we're, we're both sitting here like clenching our hands together. You know, the paper cut thing that, yeah, it's like that, but ow. So how many years did she do this for or get away with this? Well, it started when she was young. No, this was, it went on while her husband was alive. Oh, it just got worse once he passed. Mm -hmm. But these rumors, this started by the time, like between 1602 and 1604 is when they started to have complaints at court, like to the king. And they let it go on another six years before they even started to investigate. So had she just stuck to peasants and servant girls? That was perfectly legal. But morally wrong. Morally wrong. But I'm saying for the purpose of investigation, that was 
She could have gotten away with it forever. Exactly. It wasn't considered a crime. It wasn't considered a problem at all. Till she started dipping into the nobility. Correct. So her nickname, the Blood Countess, would actually come from accusations that she would bathe in the blood of virgins as a way to keep herself looking more youthful. But these accusations weren't made until around 1729. So... It was years afterwards, and it's seen more as a legend, and they don't have anything that really proves that that was actually happening. But that's how she got her name, the Blood Countess. So on December 29th, 1610, Thurzo came into her home and imprisoned her there. Because of her rank, she would not be treated as a criminal and could not be put in jail. But it's said that when he arrived, he found girls both alive and dead, strewn throughout her home, torture chamber. They found graves. Like, apparently they dug up her basement and found 50 bodies just in the basement. Four of her servants, said to be involved, were arrested, questioned, and tortured as they were being questioned. They denied assisting with the crimes, but did admit to burying the bodies of the victims. Their counts varied from 36 to 51 of just what they helped with. And they also spoke of a deceased servant, Darvulia, who served as a maid and actually a governess to Elizabeth's children who had assisted in the torture. That brings up a good point. Where were her kids during all this? Apparently, they never saw any of it. And she was known as a very loving and affectionate mother. Like they have letters of her writing to people like about how much she loved her children and was very like affectionate and doting on them and spent time with them more so than what somebody in her rank. Because normally it would be the, you know, the governess, the nanny cares for the children. They see them once in a while. But apparently she was very involved and not violent towards her children in any way. And they lived in a castle. So, I mean, you can keep those things separate. separate. When all this came out and she was imprisoned in her own home, what did her children think then? Because they couldn't have access to her. I'm not sure if they were. They may have been removed. I think that her, by that time, her oldest children were grown because they were 29 years. Yeah, they they might have actually all been grown and, and out of the house at that point. Because when I watched a YouTube, not a documentary per se, but somebody that was kind of talking about this story, and he was an Australian gentleman visiting the castle. So now, like now, if you and I were to take the trip to Slovenia, this is what we would do. We're not doing that. No, we're not going to be doing that. <laughs> but okay. But he talked about how in the castle, because he walked up to it, and they give tours, and it's, some of it's still standing. Most of it is, I think, fallen. But he showed this tower, and I guess it was a three-story tower and she was imprisoned in the second story in her room like she was walled off Mm -hmm. they had like a little opening at the bottom where they would put food in for her and uh that's where she stayed until you finish the story yeah (laughs) Yeah. so getting back to when they when they made these arrests so like i said there were four servants that were questioned as well and two of the women and one male servant were sentenced to death and that was quickly carried out just for their involvement the fourth was spared immediate execution, but it's unknown what became of her after, if she was imprisoned or what information she had given them that allowed her not to be killed. And there was also a fourth woman who was accused of using magic to assist Elizabeth, and she was burned at the stake for witchcraft. So Elizabeth would only be held held responsible for the deaths of noble women, 80 total. So she was charged 
Well, I don't even know if you could say charged, but she was imprisoned for being responsible for 80 deaths. So that does not count any of the peasants, servants, anybody that wasn't part of the noble families was not counted in that number. And if I'm correct, she holds the Guinness Book of World Records for murders. Yes. So that comes from there was a everybody gave different accounts of how many she could have killed. Right. And there was a witness that said that he had seen or she had seen a diary of Elizabeth's with names of victims and that there had been 650 names in that book. That's a lot. It went on for over 30 years with no repercussions. Not really. I mean, the, the servants got repercussions. They were killed. Well, and she did. She was in prison, but she couldn't get a hold of her virgins. So that was her punishment. Well, well, that <laughs> yeah. she couldn't carry out her sadomasochism. So there were some varying ideas on the source of Elizabeth's habits. Like, where did this come from? What was happening? Now, some blame her husband, but others say that he was the one that kept her more controlled with her methods of torture while he was still alive. And that once he died, she had no more limits and went a million steps further, basically in the levels of torture that she was pursuing. There's also reports of her family, particularly an uncle, basically showing her the ropes when she was a child. So in one instance, when she was younger than 10, gypsies had come to entertain the family at their at court, basically. And it was made known that one of the troop members had sold his children to the Turks or had given his children to a Turkish family who were the enemies of the Hungarians at the time. So because of this, a horse was killed. The horse's abdomen was cut open. It's going to get graphic again, guys. She said that before, but... <laughs> and the man was sewn inside of the horse with just his head sticking out. Like, was he kept in there? Like, this was it? I guess it's going to get worse. So I guess they would heat the horse and then the man would cook inside of the horse, which I guess is a Roman traditional torture method. And I think it bears to keep in Roman mind- Roman or Turkish? Roman. Like, this was this method was used previously by the Romans. And I think it bears to keep in mind that when you look at things like, you know, torture of the day, Iron Maidens, you know, all of these different devices, this wasn't as out of the ordinary as one might hope. And the torture of, you know, servants or things like that, that was normal and I think almost expected. And like these noble families, they they would punish their servants in a torturous manner. She just took it much, much further. Yeah, she did. Well, if you're a sadomasochist, and you've got free reign, and no one's going to hold you accountable, it's Christmas every day for you. Mm-hmm. So for her crimes, she was put on house arrest. She was, I guess, walled up. You had said that you saw in the that video, you can see the castle in the tower where she was walled up. And she was confined there and would stay there until 1614 when she would die from illness. And it wasn't stated exactly what she died from. But And they weren't sure exactly the date because Mm -hmm. one of the guards from this thing I saw on YouTube, one of the guards wanted to get a look at her because again, they said she at the time was very beautiful. And that may be where the rumors came from in terms of her bathing in the virgin blood. But he got down and he moved the, the plate to look inside where they would put the food and he saw her lying on the floor. So she had been dead a few days before she had been discovered Mm -hmm. of what I don't know. Well, she was also locked in a room with no windows for four years. That'll do it. Yeah. Lack of vitamin D. (laughs) 
<laughs> so looking back, some historians look at Elizabeth's story in a little bit of a different light. So obviously what we're hearing are, you know, from these witness statements and all of these different pieces of the story. It turns out that King Matthias, who's the one that initiated the investigation, King Matthias II, owed Bathory's late husband and now her a sizable debt. And Matthias was not inclined to pay that debt. And they say that this may have fueled his move to incriminate the countess and deny her opportunity to defend herself in court. Yeah, but you got all those bodies. Well, there are bodies, but, and obviously it's awful, but if the bodies were not nobility, it wasn't a crime. Right. Okay. I think that's the way, no, we're on the same page. For the criminal, what she was imprisoned for aspect of it. Was just the nobility. Correct. So of 289 witness accounts, more than 250 offered only hearsay or no information whatsoever. So you only had about 39, 39 statements that were not just rumors that people were hearing. Now, the information from her servants was also gained through torture. So the idea is who knows what they would say if they're hoping that they could either be released or that the torture could stop. More likely, the Countess did torture and kill young girls. And these acts were somewhat controlled while her husband was alive, but became worse when he passed. And the Hungarian powers looked away until it became more convenient for her to be in prison due to her power, influence, and the debt that they owed. Now, many believe, getting back to our Halloween vampire theme, that the Blood Countess was actually an inspiration for Bram Stoker's Count Dracula character because of the connection to blood and youth, which when Dracula drinks blood, he regains his youth. So that's where they're making that connection because of her obsession or the rumored obsession with blood. And she was... From Transylvania. Yes, she was. Even though, I mean, and then he, his character, Count Dracula, is from Transylvania, even though Vlad the Impaler was from the province of, I believe, Wallachai. So Transylvania sounds, I think, much cooler, more menacing hmm. than Wallachai. I believe so, too. And it got me to thinking, what a couple would that have made? That would have been bad. <laughs> it was already bad, but... <laughs> it was already bad, but, I mean, he's impaling people on long poles right out in the open. At least she did it in, like... A torture, a torture chamber. chamber. And it wasn't right out in the open. Is but... that really a step up, though? <laughs> no. Together, they would have been... Ugh. I'll tell you, if I would have had a kid in that area that was a girl, mm-mm, we're gone. Mm-hmm. We're out. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. Nope. Even if it was just rumor, I'd be like, no. But there are a few movies out there, I think, on this. I don't know if they're exactly historical, but I saw there was a current one on um, Amazon Prime, The Countess. And the actress that plays her is from that TV show. Do you ever see Pushing Up Daisies? There's a cute little, no. the guy's a pie maker. And, it, and when he touches you, if you die and he touches you, you can come back to life. But if he touches you again, you die again. It's kind of a cutesy little comedy thing. Anyways, it was, it was a nice show. I like the show. But anyways, <laughs> she was one of the actresses on that show. I digress. Okay. And actually in American Horror Story... Do you watch that? Have you ever watched that at all? I have. Yeah. So the hotel. Was that the one with Lady Gaga? Yeah. Well, one of the, she's in like all, she's in like four different seasons, but her title is The Countess. And they said that part of her role and what she was doing was based on this real life person, the Blood Countess. Who, again, holds the Guinness Book of World Records as the one of the most prolific serial killers in the history of our world. And it's very odd because there's not many that are serial killers of the same gender. Yeah. Like, that's very rare. But it is interesting she took it against girls, even if the blood thing isn't true. 
if she didn't bathe in the blood and that just came out kind of as an urban legend after the fact that she targeted young girls. Well, maybe she was more sexually attracted to young girls. True, true. Or maybe because if she did have epilepsy and she felt different that Mm -hmm. she saw the young girls being, you know, not having that, that she was jealous. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a lot you can unwrap there. Or maybe having a life that she couldn't because of who she was. True. If she had a legitimate child that she had to give up because of this. Right. True. There's a lot. We're being very presumptuous. We are. She's dead. (laughs) Trying to understand like how, how. But like you said, that was almost commonplace to do those torture techniques back then Mm -hmm. and again nobility I mean talk about the haves and the have-nots and how they're treated I mean her killing all those young girls who were servants or peasants and that's not a crime but back then it wasn't hopefully she's enjoying her internal life in hell so (laughs) (laughs) okay so that wraps up our Halloween theme episodes this month it was a little more difficult than I thought to try to find crimes to fit into the different Halloween themes I think we did it I don't know if we'll do this next year then (laughs) (laughs) we might run out of cases I might be like I think every case you could probably tie to it but I was trying to find ones that kind of fit when you think about Halloween do you are you guys doing Halloween this year are you dressing up we are my son was very he's very oh if I would try to that would be bad but we're taking precautions we're wearing our mask and gloves and for us I had already gotten the candy and put it in little individual baggies so the people just have to grab like a bag mm. so you're not reaching into a bowl or anything like that so trying to make it as safe as you can with that are you I don't know yet you're not coming over here to do it we might we haven't really talked about it yet <laughs> my son adores your daughter so he would love it yeah we could do them together well, that's what we did last year right they went together mm-hmm. yeah he's doing Batman again we just had to get a bigger size costume <laughs> I'm sure that mine will pick a princess although this morning I will say she was getting out of capes and wanted to be superman and then she dressed up all the dogs as uh superman. Wonder, wonder woman and, and batman it, oh my gosh that'd be too cute i'll see if i can get her she's a little um strong-willed so she's your daughter cr- trying to convince her to do anything <laughs> that's not her idea <laughs> Yeah, we'll try. So thank you all for listening. I'm very happy to be back for this episode and hopefully I'll be back shortly again. So thank you for listening. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so through our website, criminaldiscoursepodcast.com. We also have a Facebook by the same name and an Insta criminal disc pod that is growing. It is. So way to go, Trish. Yeah, it's growing. I have to give a shout out to Tech Support. He's found this new, if you've seen some of our teasers now for on Facebook and Instagram, he does a little animation and bitmoji. So this this episode will have your bitmoji. Yeah, so now you guys can see kind of what we look like. Right. My bitmoji looks so much better though. (laughs) I gotta be honest. I'm gonna just throw that out there because when you see me in person someday, they'll probably be like, yeah, I'm not seeing it. But it gives you a glimpse, a glimpse into... It gives into you a little glimpse. Who we are. Correct. Behind the mic. Yes. And we have also a YouTube channel. We actually gained another subscriber. We're up to 19. Woohoo. So that is under the same name, Criminal Discourse Podcast. So you can always go to our website and get our show notes there and all of our resources. And also there's our contact page. So you can reach out to us through that. All right. Well, thank you everybody for taking the time to listen. We greatly appreciate it. Love having Maddie back for this episode. There will be no... November Thanksgiving theme episodes because I wouldn't even know what that would look like. Oh, we did a Christmas one last year, didn't we? That was depressing. Yeah. It was a little too much for Christmas. Right. So hopefully she'll be back with us in November with another all new episode. We do have some guest hosts coming on. I have two lined up. Very exciting. And one is the listener. I've never met her. It's going to be exciting. Her name's Katie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I work with her mom and then she goes, hey, uh, my daughter just figured out that Maddie is the Maddie she went to high school with. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, that's weird. Yes. You know, when we gave that out, uh, her mom said, you know, Katie would love to do it. I'm like, have her reach out to me. Here's my email. And she did. So we are doing one of her cases. So Katie will be on and we're doing a case that she's really interested in. I haven't started researching it yet, but it's a Pennsylvania case. So and then I have our Emily who has done our art. Our logo. Oh, very nice. She's coming on. I Hers is actually, I think, going to be the next episode. I had to find one that fit all the parameters. Oh, yes. that she, she came with criteria. She came with criteria. <laughs> I had to certain things. So I think I nailed it. So I'm really excited about that. All right, everybody. As we always end the show, if you see something, say something. You might have that missing piece of the puzzle it takes to solve a crime. And as always, again, we're still in it. We're still trudging through it. Hopefully the end of the, the tunnel is coming here soon. We'll get a vaccine in the next couple months. And we'll all kind of be able to go back to normal and gather around and not social distance and wear our face masks. And I just want to be able to wear lipstick again. I mean, first world problems, but right. I'm just saying. <laughs> I really miss it. I don't want to smell like hand sanitizer throughout the day is what I'm, I'm looking most forward to. <laughs> Perfume anymore. I just put on hand sanitizer. So be safe out there. But also, let's remember, we also have to look out for one another and we have to be kind. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye. Bye.